This is Psychotherapy with Jet Dunlap. This is episode 10. Wow. I think back on episode 1 through 9, and boy, I was a younger man, 39 years old, a whole life ahead of me. And now I'm in my 40s, even late 40s maybe, and uh, things have changed so much. Well, the last episode, episode 9, if you know how numbers work, uh, was celebrated by the few people who actually talked to me about the show and uh, I was a little worried about recording this one because for a while I was thinking oh my god how do you beat that episode you know um, I was joking how I should start this show with are you ready to sad who's ready to sad start crying instead of clap your hands or throw your hands up Um, this is not the last episode because that's how things work But it does talk about my disappointment in the fact that I didn't get a special little prize for turning 40, my surprise party, that I was hoping would happen because I'm a tiny little girl and I'm affected by those things. And it talks about the process in which I dealt with that, the raw emotions that I initially felt and the people I blamed for it. And now then how I came to terms with what I should really be feeling and, you know, forced me to kind of Count my blessings, if you will. Look at my life and say, hey, you know what? You dummy, you've got it good. So that is this episode. And there'll be plenty of laughs and treasures. So stick around. You'll love it. This is episode 10 of Psychotherapy. Thank you so much for listening. I was 29 years old. And I knew something needed to change very soon. When I first started my job, I had anxiety to a degree that I hadn't experienced before. This is when I worked at a company that was known as Singular. Now it's absorbed by AT&T, then it was absorbed by something else, and absorbed and absorbed. Anyway, they probably own me in some capacity, even though I don't work for anyone right now. I was stressed out a great deal. I was in high-pressure sales. I remember when I first went to the job back in 2004. I, it's It's... It's something that can only be experienced by someone who's been in kind of a boiler room environment. And uh, almost every sales job I ever had, there was a fist fight that broke out between the new salesperson and the rest of the team or someone on the team within the first couple weeks. Whenever I'd gone to any new sales job in electronics or whatever it was, commission was so intense it could separate someone from making $30,000 in a year to when I first started Singular, there were guys who were making $140,000 a year. That was quite some large bit of money at the time, especially for people who were in their early 20s. Some of the guys who were a little older, they really wanted to fight for those bonuses for a lot of reasons. Many of them, I'm sure, were psychological things that they uh, needed to fulfill. So I worked my way up in that shark-infested water, and I got to be an assistant manager. No small feat for a guy who reads at a second grade level. I couldn't spell the name of the company, Singular. I had to have it written down on a sheet of paper. I had a little sheet of paper, one of those little notepads that flips up, usually has like a blue cover, orange cover. I don't know what color it has, but fits in your back pocket. I had a list of names on that, and uh, it's commonly used words that I would use to um, fill out my credit applications for my customers. Back then, if you wanted someone to get a cell phone or plan or anything. Some of these things are quite expensive and paid quite a lot of money. Uh, You had to fill out a credit application for the customer. Now, I found ways around my disability to have them mostly fill it out. And like I said, I wrote some stuff down. But eventually, the high pressure of the job and the pressure I put on myself really got to me. Of course, I pushed through that. I had some health scares at the time, too. 
I had a pain in my uh, chest that was persistent, and at the time I had good enough insurance with my company, so I went in, they uh, took some blood tests, took some, well, a lot of tests. They had me do the same ones with them, um, where you drink like this liquid, and then it shows your veins <laughs> in like, I don't know, a CAT scan or something like that. And they thought I had liver cancer. And so I went around for weeks and months thinking I had liver cancer while I was working at the company, and it was very consuming. And I had a couple of, like, intense moments where I thought I was just going to pass out. and Or, you know, you think you're going to have a heart attack. They call it panic attacks, but man, could they give it a worse name? I mean, I can't imagine how many people just deny that and how intense it is because panic is such a, I don't know, it has such a connotation with it. So I kept working. I worked my way up, as I said earlier, and eventually became a store manager at a very popular one, kind of a famous one. I had a lot of people go to my Saturday morning meetings. People all the way from Santa Barbara to Woodland Hills came out to listen to me talk and uh, motivate them and put them in the right mood to do what they did with some degree of happiness and joy. And I also got them to do their job as far as sales in a way that I did not experience when I was coming up, which was serving the customer first and honestly and correctly. And I believed that the customer would grow with you and referral would bring you all the abundance financially you wanted if you treated the customer right. So eventually I had this great team, everything was going well, and of course, as these stories often go, some really bad stuff happened with another person who wanted my job, we had a lot of conflict, the panic attacks started coming back, I was very stressed, I was really, really losing it, and coming up on my 30th birthday, I thought, I'm going to kind of just like, I'm going to ask my wife something that I hope she can do, she's very young, at the time she was only in her early 20s, and I said, I think I want a surprise party for my birthday. Now, only in movies do people, or maybe you have, I've never seen or experienced it, but I guess I've been a part of people's surprise parties, but it's weird to ask a person to give you a surprise party. So I don't think we talked about it much, but I was so consumed by work that I didn't know what was happening. So a couple of weeks go by. I told her this more than a couple of weeks ago, but eventually I'm having a horrible time at work and I just can't take it anymore. This conflict between me and this other manager is night and day. It's keeping me up every night. He's trying to get up. He basically, this is the way the structure is. He has to take my job if he wants to get promoted. And so he has to try and find a way to get me fired or make it up. So we're really at head, you know, we're head to head with this. And it was really just a terrible time. So I'm like, I can't take this anymore. So one day close to my birthday, I decide to quit. So I called the VP of the Western Division, I say, I'm done. And he says, hold on, hold on, you can't quit. We still need you. And I tell him what's going on and how this person's really harassing me and I don't get along with him and it's a terrible situation and I can't stay there. And he says, well, please don't quit. I'll tell you what, we'll move you to a new store location. I get a call from Gina. Jet, when are you going to be home tonight? Later, honey, I'm, I'm busy. I didn't tell her about the fact that I quit. I have to pack up my entire office at this point, the one that I had, and move it into a new office because I'm no longer going to be working at the one I am now. I do that. Gina calls me again. Hey, Jet, when are you going to be home? It's kind of weird. She doesn't usually ask me. She's kind of hands off. But I'm like, listen, I'm busy. I, I just quit my job. I, I'm not going to be home for a while. She says, you have to come home. I'm like, all right. I figured she had some dinner for me or something. I get to the new store location. I packed up a lot of stuff in my office. One of my employees cried. These are adult men uh, who were, well, one of them got choked up. The other one just bawled because I was leaving because I had meant so much to him. And it wasn't a sign of weakness to me. I was very flattered. I get to the new office and I'm unpacking all my stuff. And Gina's like, you need to come home. And I figure, you know, my, my sweetheart needs me. So I come home about an hour later. 
She says, meet me at your parents' house. And now I'm a little suspicious. Maybe it's a barbecue, though. I go in the backyard, and there's about four or five people. My dad's sweeping up the backyard. My wife looks very sad. Hung around the backyard are a bunch of pictures of me at various times in my life. A lot with my wife, but they're printed out. They're kind of hanging like those uh, flags would at a car dealership when they're having a sale. But these are pictures of me and my wife, and mostly myself. And there's little sayings, and there's a... There's a plaque, kind of a, I guess it's not a plaque, but a picture. Um, in the middle of it is me, and then around it is a lot of people's signatures. There's only about three or four people there at this point. Maybe, I think I said four or five, so it's, it's in that neighborhood. And my wife's pretty sad, and she said, they all had to go home. This is like six or seven o'clock. I mean, it's not 2 a.m. Six or seven o'clock p.m., not a.m., that'd be weird. But, so I was told that there was a surprise party for me. About 30 people were there. And for whatever reasons, they left. And I had their signatures. And it was very depressing and very sad. And then later, people told me, hey, I'm sorry, we had to leave. I'd always wanted a surprise party, and this was the one I got. And it kind of set my 30s off in a way that I wouldn't have wanted. It was through no fault of my wife's. She did an amazing thing. But I think I was, in my meaner times, I blamed her, which I've apologized for every time I mentioned it. Later on that week, I think my actual birthday, we went up to the mountains and I was even more depressed. We just kind of sat around and I, I, I bought this book on Abraham Lincoln and I can't read. So the cover said Abraham Lincoln and Melancholia, but I thought it was like just a book on Abraham Lincoln. So I'm literally reading in the rain. There's a picture of me, a book uh, about Abraham Lincoln's depression that I accidentally bought a couple days after my failed surprise party. But I will say that yesterday I turned 40 years old. I kept joking with my wife about how people were going to jump out and surprise me. Because I'm like, there was 10 years to plan another surprise party, right? We were going to have a party um, up until last month at the beginning. We got back from a large trip. We went to try and summit Mount Whitney, the tallest mountain in the continent of the United States. That was what I wanted for my birthday, to summon it. We weren't able to because it was too snowy. We got really close. My wife was out of water. It was dangerous for us to go up. I wanted to, but the responsible thing was to go down, and I did. So I wasn't able to summit Mount Whitney for my birthday. We came back, and we were looking at the invitations for my birthday, my birthday party. And it was a weird day at Walmart, the day we picked up our invitations. Isn't it always, though? It is a weird place. It feels like some kind of junction between dimensions where the filtering of the creeps occurs. And if you go there after 10, which only those of you who have been there after 10 p.m. can understand, it really turns into a place that's like men in black. It's it's like this weird just warehouse full of people that you wouldn't believe really exist, like people who are straight out of central casting for a movie as aliens that are trying to look like humans but not doing a very good job. So it was one of those moments. And we were tired because we had just gotten back from this hike. Not an easy one. It was snowy. I'm in line, and there's a guy with a corkscrew. Not, not a corkscrew. You know those little metal things that go around champagne um, corks? They're, they're like, keep the champagne cork to the bottle. He had one of those around his ear. And it went to a Bluetooth that was always blinking. I mean, it was so weird. It was like a, a wire that went around his ear to hold his Bluetooth. There was a woman who was talking to him in line, and she was just had some kind of skin disease and just looked totally like she and meth were very well acquainted. And she was yelling and screaming and not making much sense and being really weird. And overall, it was a really weird 
experience. I was in line while Gina was getting the pictures. It was weird for Walmart even, you know, like that's saying something. And uh, it's like when you run into a weird clown, you know, clowns are weird, but if you run into a weird clown, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be something you'll remember. So uh, I'm standing in line and Gina brings the party, uh, the, the invitations over and the invitations are something that we had deliberated over a long time. Um, looking at different designs, Gina kind of gets obsessed with that and we finally found one. We pick it up and it's just all wrong. It looks terrible. And I say to Gina, I go, that's it. Our wedding almost killed us. Six months of torture because we did it ourselves completely and did it as inexpensively as possible, but we had to completely rebuild this this place that we were having at the land, the backyard of his, her parents' house. I mean, taking down concrete fences, rebuilding things. It was six months of work. I'm not joking. And so when I looked down the barrel of this birthday being that same experience, I thought, well, do I want to have a 40th birthday and kill myself and have my wife and I just yell and scream at each other and hate each other? Or do I want to just say, I'm not going to have a birthday? So I said, she said, should I return the invitation? She hated him. And I said, well, I don't know. And then she's like, you don't like him either, do you? And we played this husband and wife game where, you know, she wants me to say I don't like him, even though she doesn't like him. She doesn't want to admit she doesn't like him because if she admits she doesn't like him, then she's the one who returns the invitations. And the implication is that she stopped the party. Just return the invitations. It was not a pleasant night that evening. So we uh, come home and she's going to return the invitations the next day. I started to suspect she was planning a surprise party. I'm like, this time, it's been 10 years since my 30th. I want to win for my 20th, too. Like, she's going to surprise me for my 40th. And up until about a week ago, when we decided we were going to go out of town to Camarillo, no, not Camarillo, we decided to go out of town, we were going to go to, uh, I always call it Carpeteria, but it's Carpinteria up the coast, about an hour north of us. I could give you the coordinates, if you like. I started to suspect maybe there won't be a surprise party. I had suspected there was gonna be a surprise party because I saw a, a naked picture of me as a tiny boy uh, on my laptop. It wasn't blown up or something. It was just like, a you know, those classic pictures of a kid laying down looking over. And I thought, did my mom email this to my dad? To my dad? That'd be weird. <laughs> I was trying to get him arrested for kitty porn or something. Um, porn with kittens in it. Uh, so I saw this picture and I thought maybe my mom had emailed it to Gina for some kind of surprise party. She's going to do the picture thing again. And that was my tip off. I'm like, oh, it is going to be a surprise party. Uh, also, this is a part of my really liking to disappoint myself. I love being crestfallen. You know, I, I, I use that word pretty often, even when I was younger, but I, I like to really make myself sad. And I do this show so I can do the same for you. So, uh, I, uh, I kind of had this anticipation. I thought maybe she was putting together a picture book with this picture I found on the laptop. And yesterday, I'm in Carpinteria, not Carpeteria. And we wake up in a Best Western. It was an okay Western. They call it Best Western. And uh, we went to the beach, hung out at the ocean, went to sushi. It was very bad sushi. It was a spicy tuna rolls, but they were not spicy. They were, they were terrible. They took too long. Then we went home and our streaming service didn't work at the hotel. We couldn't get our Roku to hook up because the internet was too slow at Best Western. I mean, where do they get off doing that in 2019? And I turned 40. That was my birthday. I kept joking with my wife. We were in this hot tub, this really weird hot tub that was like the shape of a lotus flower. Every really sharp edges. I mean, I'll try and put it in the show notes. I won't, but I'll talk about it. Uh, it was a really weird looking, uh, <laughs> you follow me on Instagram. I put it up there or Facebook. But uh, I put it up, Jet Dunlap, um, but I, I put it up, I didn't put it up anywhere. I stopped at this hot tub, it was this really weird hot tub when we were sitting there, and then 
we eventually went up to the room and, you know, this is my birthday. We sat down. I, I think I was talking about how I couldn't stream the internet there. And uh, that was disappointing because, uh, you know, come on, me without my streaming. You don't know me. All of us without our streaming internet shows. I mean, regular TV is terrible. You know, you have to wait like you're in line for a show you want to watch. And then maybe you show up halfway through. How did we ever put up with that? There were people who lived and died with that being the kind of television programming they could watch. What a horrible time to live. And that was it. I was 40. Now I'm 40. I had such expectations. I thought it would be a lot like that movie Meet Joe Black, where Anthony Hopkins at the end is on like this bandstand in his giant property in the middle of this island. And he has all his friends there and his daughters. And I, I don't think I'd have daughters in this situation, but I got to make a big speech in front of my big band. And I was this just massively wealthy, successful person. I ex extol stories or wisdom and uh, talk about how an incredible life I had lived and what a wonderful journey I had. And then I'd point to people in the audience and I'd say, well, you, Doug, I don't know why I'm that old in this story. Probably because when I thought of myself as being 40 back then, I thought, well, you, Doug, I'd also have to make a friend named Doug because I don't have a friend named Doug at this point. So put that on my to-do list. You and I, Doug, we had some times. I wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for my wife, Gina. What an incredible woman. She put this whole thing together. Can you believe it? And I didn't even know. <laughs> That'd be another part. I did. There'd be all this prep fireworks. I mean, listen to this fantasy I have, where it's this the biggest birthday party scene I've ever seen in a movie in Meet Joe Black, the movie with Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins, Claire Forlani. Great movie. And there's a sugar bowl scene in this film, if you've seen it. I own that sugar bowl. Not sugar bowl. There's a sugar dispenser, a very cute scene where Brad Pitt is hitting on Claire Forlani. And I bought that sugar dispenser from a props department on Electronic Bay. That's a side note. But think about this amount of expectations I put on my 30th birthday and then my 40th birthday. Just to be disappointed. That didn't sound as good as it sounded in my head, syllabicated with intensity. But think about what I projected onto the world and the universe as far as what I wanted. And you know what? I bet I projected a lot of disappointment and counting on it failing. So I could have that all familiar feeling of a poor me. I mean, you just listened to a poor me story for as long as you just had to. And yes, there's probably people who have surprise parties. And yes, there's probably people who, when they had a surprise party, they didn't quit their job and, you know, didn't show up after everyone would left. I mean, if you ever saw that happen, it was on a sitcom and the guy who it happened to is the guy who that would happen to. The guy who was always, you know, having misfortune. But I want these things. I don't put any effort into making them happen. And if I do do them myself, like the wedding, it's so traumatic, the effort that goes in, that I'm disappointed. The event itself is meaningless because it's lost in the, you know, the intensity of trying to make it perfect. And I think that, I don't think I know my 40s are going to be fantastic. I know they're going to be incredible. I know that. And even as I said that, I had doubt just bubble up inside of my chest, like percolate. No, you know it's not. It's going to be just as bad as your 20s and your 30s, you effing loser. Why do I put this pressure on myself? And why do I think that tomorrow has to be the way it was yesterday? Now, you've heard before and you know that I have many tools that prevent me from or aid me in keeping this from affecting me in the most negative way possible, 
keep me from going into a slump of depression. Most importantly, keep me from taking that drink I haven't done in so many days. Over 600. So I had mechanisms. One of them is staying moment focused. The other one was when I was really disappointed on my 40th birthday, I just started writing in my journal. I started writing some sad sack thing about like, you have your 20s, then your 30s. I wrote this down. Then your 40s. Then I put blank, 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 blank. And then I put end. Like in a row. So it's like 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s implied but not there. 60s implied but not there. 70s, 80s, and dead. So here I have this little blank space to figure out my life. And we all know the end half isn't going to be as good as the first half. Why? Why do we know that? Because of movies? Because youth is so cherished? I'm in the best shape of my life. That's true. I could prove it to you. There's social media. But yet I'm still... Oh, there's another thing that my ego hides behind and makes me disappointed. I've been putting as many shirtless pictures as I possibly can of myself on Facebook and Instagram. You're welcome, world. And I sit there. I sit there. Watching. Like some kind of, I don't know, colonial bird lady who puts out bird seed on a bench in a park like Central Park. Never been there. As she watches the birds come in. But my birds don't come in. My likes. My like birds don't float in. And I go, hmm, I'm a 40-year-old man. People don't like my body that I worked for for three years. Hmm. And all of this is nonsense. And I realize it. Every time I exercise this ability to speak to you, I realize how silly it is. Another great technique I have is, look, I didn't keep this bottled up. I had this kind of transparency and conversation with my wife just as easily. i talk to anyone about it who'd listen. So I get it off my chest. Humans and our false expectations, right? Gosh, can you imagine if I had kids or I might be great, who knows, but putting those expectations on someone else. I have expectations for my wife, you know, poor girl, poor woman. Poor girl and woman, I've known her through both. <laughs> Why do we do this to ourselves? I mean, the reason is because the adrenaline spike that's created by disappointment reminds me of the spike of drinking alcohol, which I really loved. And I have a dopamine problem and some chemical issues. But why do we do it if you don't have my issues? Because we crave this, this egoic desire to make it all about ourselves, right? If I'm not in service to others, which I'm trying to do right now, I go down the rabbit hole. My inclination is to be selfish, egoic, and narcissistic. And if I don't, I mean, I looked forward to talking to you guys today so much when I was out of town because this way I get to get what is in my chest and what is in my heart and what is in my soul out into the world to help people who feel the same way as me and don't have the resources that I do, you know? I really hope that's who's listening to this right now. Because I think that, I don't think this, I know this. I know that if I felt it, you felt it. Because we're not as different. We're not as different as the world would like us to think right now. We're very similar. And you do this. And it hurts people. I don't want to hurt my wife's feelings. She, you know, made the reservations for this hotel. And we, you know, went out. And the beach is beautiful. I live in one of the greatest beach areas ever, you know, in the coast of California, for God's sake. It's been my home for a long time, so I take it for granted. But, you know, listen, this is something that people around the world want to see. It's a beautiful place. And I got to be there. 
and I got to spend my 40th birthday there. And and I look down on it just because it feels routine, and I wanted a million people to applaud my name. Oh, King Jet, he's turned 40, long live the king. I have to earn that. Not the king part, I can't be a king, I'm not a prince. Prince among men, whatever that means. But uh, curb those expectations. If you want something great, work for it, and eventually you'll have it. I believe that, sincerely. If you really want it, it's something you really want. And it's possible, like I've said before, you flap your arms as hard as you can, and you're not probably going to fly, but within reason. You work for it, and you get it. And those other things that you just decide you want at the peril of the people you love, or putting expectations on your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or your husband, or your wife, or whatever the case may be, your job, and it doesn't come true, and you're completely disappointed, and, and you kind of knew you were going to be disappointed because it wasn't going to happen anyway, and you just wallow in that disappointment, and you wonder why no one loves you. Well, lots of people love you, but are you out there? Are you in the world for them to love you? Or are you just feeling sorry for yourself? So take it from me, a man who is now 40 years old, who was like a 12-year-old girl crestfallen yesterday about not having a birthday. I wasn't really crestfallen, and I'm not trying to take anything away from 12-year-old girls. They probably, there's probably many of them who are not sad about not getting a pony, but I wanted my pony, and I didn't get it. But I'm loved, and I love people, and I have an incredible life, and I'm healthy. I get to talk to you. It's not hot outside right now. Life is good, and a lot of it is because I get to share it by talking to you right now. So thank you so much for listening. I hope this, as always, meandering story helped you in some way. And I can't wait to talk to you next time. I'm Jet Dunlap.